Howdy, howdy, all, and welcome to episode 73 of Running with Sam and Dave. And we are in the part of First Samuel where Dave shows up. So that's First Samuel 16. We just read last time, last couple of times, about how Samuel anointed David. And uh, that was in verse 13. It says, Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. And then verse 14, we have kind of a, a uh, contrast here between David and now Saul. So it says in verse 14, but the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. So let's look back at verse 13. You see, it says, the spirit of the Lord came upon David from this day forward. And then the very next verse, of course, but the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. Now, this is, uh, this is one of those verses that uh, is often brought up uh, when you talk about difficult verses uh, for the fact that it sounds like the Lord is sending a demon to torment Saul, right? Because in verse 15, it says, Saul's servant said to him, surely a distressing spirit from God is troubling you. Let our master now command your servant or command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful player of the harp. And it shall be that he will play it with his hand when the distressing spirit from God is upon you and you shall be well. And so Saul said to his servants, provide now a man who can play well and bring him to me. So the, the, I think that the, uh, the challenging part about this passage is again, it sounds like God is sending this distressing spirit upon Saul. Now, I think the thing to understand is that, that again, we are reading an ancient Jewish document, right? Ancient Jewish his history. And there are certain things that they would do that are not common to our modern uh, practice of maybe writing history, writing narrative, writing uh in literature in general, you see that kind of thing happen. Like, for example, in the book of Genesis, you have some people would say two creation accounts, but really it's just um, a common practice in, in ancient Jewish literature of telling the story in general and then going back and telling the story in detail. So anyway, um, this is one of those things, again, that, that you'll come across is that uh, for for the ancient Jewish mind, apparently, this was not a big deal to to say it was from God when uh, it wasn't necessarily God sending the demon, but God allowing it. That that wasn't a huge differentiation between God removing His Holy Spirit and removing His hand of protection um, from Saul and allowing him to be tormented tormented by an evil spirit, um, and so. Again, it's one of those things where I guess it's passive versus active, right? It's not God necessarily sending the evil spirit, but God allowing an evil spirit um, that before he was with his, by his spirit, withholding that, that uh, spirit's uh, influence and such. So anyway, uh, a lot of times people get, get very um, mixed up with this one or just distressed with this one. And I think this is one of those things also to keep in mind with the rest of this chapter, because there are some confusing things here, but I think it's, it's good to know and understand that, that God allows things to happen. You know, God allows evil to exist. God allows the devil to exist. You know, God, God allows us to be tempted, but he doesn't tempt us. 
And so it's a good thing to understand that there is a there is a differentiation there. You know, usually when you hear pastors talk about this, they'll talk about how God in order to have the in order for us to have the choice to love him and he desires that we do love him, he has to give us a choice not to love him. And so we have to have the evil option if it's actually going to be a choice. So anyway, uh, I'm going to read on because there's there's a, a main main point I want to make here, but also there's another kind of confusing thing going on, right? So Saul says, "Yeah, send, find somebody to uh, you know to provide music for when I have this distressing spirit." He says, "Then one of his servants answered and said, "Look, I have seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person." And the Lord is with him. Therefore, Saul sent messages, messengers rather, to Jesse and said, Send your son David, who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them by his son David to Saul. So David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. Then Saul said to Jesse, saying, Please let David stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. And so it was, whenever the Spirit of God was upon Saul, David would take a harp and play it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. Okay, so this um, this might be confusing to you if, as you read this, you see that Saul says, you know, Saul says, find somebody who can play, and they go, and one of his guys says, oh yeah, there's there's a guy named David. Um, the same David who has not yet fought Goliath. And when we get to chapter 17, you'll see that Saul doesn't seem to recognize David. And so this is very strange thing going on here of them saying, Oh yeah, there's this guy, Jesse. He has a son um, named David who through most of our storybooks is just a little boy. But the way they describe him is he's skillful at playing a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech and a handsome person. And the Lord is with him. And so when you read that, you go, wait a minute, this is a, this is a little kid. And I think part of the problem is, is that we don't know how old David is at this time. Um, it, there, there's lots of ideas. Um, there's, uh, I think Josephus says he's 10, but uh, of course, Flavius Josephus, a Roman historian who was a, a Jew, um, wrote uh, the antiquity of the Jews, Jewish history. And, so his writing was a lot of those things that were passed down. Um, he may not have been that young. He may have been 15 years old. He may have been a guy who's been out to battle. Um, we don't know, but it's an interesting thing that's going on here. One explanation is that this actually takes place after the story of David and Goliath, because there are things that happen in chapter 17 that we're going to read about that we know don't have they're written like they happen one right after the other, but there seems to be um, a gap in between some of the events because of the locations where things are talked about happening. And so it would seem that they're they're not just saying this all happened in one day, but we might read it that way. And so it's very possible that what we're reading about here in chapter 16 is actually something that happens after chapter 17. That's a possibility, but we don't really know. We don't really know. And so it can be uh, rather disturbing when you read this and you come across these things um, and you go, wait, wait, wait a minute. 
in the next chapter, it doesn't seem like Saul knows who David is. It seems like David is not a warrior the way his brothers treat him. And yet in chapter 16, they talk about him being a mighty man of valor and a man of war. We see that he is, you know, Saul really admires him and makes him his armor bearer. But he doesn't recognize him in the next chapter. And it seems very strange that if the people of Israel are at war. Why isn't, why isn't David with them? And, you know, why isn't David with Saul? This is a very strange state of events. And so here's the thing, you know, for me, I go back and forth on this. I go back and forth on whether or not it's written chronologically or not. If chapter 17 is kind of filling us in on some things that happened prior to or, or are part of the story of chapter 16, um, the end part, at least. But honestly, I don't know. I don't know. But here's the thing I want, I want you to be aware of. And, and this is kind of the point of, of what I want to bring up with the earlier part, too, about, you know, this, this part when we read it about God spending, sending a distressing spirit to Saul. And then we read this thing that doesn't seem to line up with chapter 17. It's very easy for us to get caught up on the things we don't know. I mean, we, we operate all day long on things we do know. And there's like an expectation of just things being normal. And then when something's not, it can disrupt our entire day. When there's one little thing, you know, that little pebble in your shoe, right? You got a pebble in your shoe and you're like, ah, I got a pebble in my shoe. And you're trying to walk and you're trying to, you know, you're trying to get someplace and you're like, I got to take my shoe off, untie my shoe. And, and you're not noticing everything that's going right. You're not noticing all the things working well together. All you've noticed is there's this discomfort in my shoe. And it's just a normal thing. It's very easy for us to get caught up on that. And so this is one of those things that I think is important to, to be aware of and maybe something to, that, you know, I'm, sh- I'm sure I have this written in the front of my Bible. Um, I have a lot of things written in the front of my Bible. They're, they're those things I want to remember. And, and one of them is this. Don't allow the little thing that you don't understand to distract you or cause you to call into question all the things that you do understand. Again, don't let the thing that you don't understand, the little thing that you don't understand, the one thing that you don't understand, to cause you to forget about or call into question all the things you do understand. It's very easy for for us to, when we read a verse like this, to get caught up and go like, I don't understand this, I don't get this, and allow it to disrupt our entire walk with the Lord, where it's what we dwell on and focus on. You know, and I've talked to many pastors and um, and many people, Christian people, that have gone through this, where they've they've hit this this verse or this passage that just they couldn't get past it. It was so distressing to them, and rather than saying, you know what, Lord, I don't understand this, but I do know this. And going back to all the things you do know, they get hung up on the thing they don't. And one thing I've, I've probably said this on the podcast plenty of times before, but if I haven't, well, I'll say it to you today. And if you haven't been listening from the beginning, that's okay too. But when you come to a problem in life, when you come to a problem in life, one of the key things to do is to go back to those things, those foundational things that you know. An example of this would be um, in a, a jigsaw puzzle. If you're putting together a jigsaw puzzle, and I am not a fan of jigsaw puzzles at all, uh, but maybe you are. And uh, whenever I do a jigsaw puzzle, and when I 
have done them usually with family on family get togethers. There's one thing that everybody does. Everybody gets the edge pieces first. They start at the edge pieces and then maybe they sort the pieces. Oh, oh, they definitely turn the pieces face up, right? You don't want the brown side up. You want the the colorful side up. Then maybe sort the pieces. Maybe you see there's a, a section of sky. So you might put all the blue pieces over there. And maybe there's a boat that's got a red roof. So you put the red pieces over there. So you sort the pieces. And then maybe you look at the box. And I've definitely done this where I grabbed one piece and looked at the box and scanned the box for that one spot. Where is this? And I find that exact spot so I can put it on the puzzle. So when I get stuck on a puzzle, I know what to go back to, Right. And I go back to the box. And so the same thing, you know, when I'm struggling, you know, with a, with a passage of scripture and I find it, you know, disrupting my walk with the Lord to go, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm going to go back to what I do know. I do know that God loves me. And I know that without question, because Jesus died on the cross for me. I know that he's good. I know that he's righteous. I know that he is just. I know that his way is always good and always true. And that if this is what God did, God had a reason. And his reason was good and right and holy, even if I don't get it. I don't have to trust in my own understanding. I have greater faith in God's word than my own brain. And so the problem is, is when I start to think that my little teeny pin brain um, doesn't understand something in God's word, so therefore God's word must be faulty, you know. How, how arrogant is that to think, well, maybe the problem is my understanding. And it's a great day when you come to that place where you say, you know what? The problem isn't God's word. The problem is just my understanding of it. Anyway, hopefully that blesses you today. God bless you. Talk to you next time.